some of the names of sports teams make absolutely no sense. Think about it. The Utah Jazz basketball franchise. Since when is Salt Lake City known for its jazz culture? The name made perfect sense back in New Orleans when it was the New Orleans Jazz, but not so much in Utah. What about the Los Angeles Lakers? Have you ever wondered why the basketball team is named the Lakers when you find a lot of swimming pools in L.A., but not so many lakes? Well, the Lakers used to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the land of how many lakes? 10,000 lakes, of course. Or what about the Los Angeles Dodgers? That's a strange name. There aren't many trolley tracks in L.A. The Dodgers used to be the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers and were so named because of the many acrobatics you had to have when you crossed the street and had to go all around the streetcar track that the trolleys ran on, hence the Trolley Dodgers, but not so much in Los Angeles. Indianapolis Colts. That made sense in Baltimore, where horse racing is very popular, while Indianapolis is known more for the horsepower in its open-wheel racing series rather than the horses that eat oats. Closer to home, the Washington Wizards. What's that about? They changed the name from the Bullets, which is very appropriate. That was a reference that can be associated with gun violence, so they needed to change the name, but no one can really explain why the Wizards, except it starts with W. And the jury is still out on the Commanders. Again, the right thing to do because the former name was offensive to Native Americans. But the new name change is a challenge. I guess it'll take some time and some getting used to. But clearly... The best team names have strong and a clear and strong connections to their region. For example, the Washington Nationals are in the nation's capital. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in the place where there's a steel mill tradition. And the Orlando Magic, well, they're right there at Disney World. No one has to explain these names. The connections are clear and they are strong. To be effective, a name needs to be clear, memorable, and point to its brand identity or its purpose. It, the name should motivate and influence people towards some decision or action. The names associated with the Son of God are just this. They inspire us to respond to God with faith and commitment. They are clear, memorable, and point to purpose. In chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel, we find two large sections of Scripture. The first section, verses 1 through 17, lists the genealogy of Jesus, the Ancestry.com of Jesus, God's one and only Son. The first part of chapter 1 is the backstory. The genealogy connects us to Jesus' earthly adoptive father, Joseph, who was in the line of King David 
and of Abraham, the father of Isaac, who is the father of Jacob, the family of Israel, of course. It was extremely important for Matthew, the gospel writer, to help the Jewish audience of his gospel connect the Messiah to the prophets of old and to the family line of the Hebrew people, the Israelites. Then verses 18 through 25, we find the birth of Jesus foretold. The story begins with some controversy with Mary, the mother of Jesus, found to be with child. This creates an issue for Joseph, to whom she is pledged to be married. Not wanting to humiliate her publicly, Joseph decides to divorce her quietly. So let's join Joseph in his dream as the angel speaks there in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The Gospels. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name, and everybody said, Jesus. He gave him the name, Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He gave him the name, Jesus. In those days, under Jewish law, the engagement was viewed the same as marriage. So when Joseph learned that Mary was expecting, of course, you could imagine what was going through his mind. He had legal authority and religious authority to divorce her. Joseph wanted to do the right thing under the law, and he wanted to do the right thing by Mary. So he would plan to divorce her quietly. Maybe she would be safe and she would be not be shunned in the community as he thought she would. But an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Through the voice of the angel, Joseph realizes that Mary has not been unfaithful to him but that her pregnancy is of God. And the angel says, she is going to give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus. And then the angel uh, explains in, in these words, why Jesus? And says, because he will save people from their sins. 
This is the first name given to the child. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. The name Joshua would have reminded the hearers of Joshua, the successor of Moses, who led the people across the River Jordan into the promised land of Canaan. The name Jesus would imply that God was yet again doing something new to save his people. Matthew tells us that all this takes place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. You find that in chapter Isaiah chapter 7, 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's from the Hebrew, two Hebrew words, Emanu, with us, and El, God. Emmanuel, with us, God. God with us. This is the second significant name of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. There are many names of Jesus throughout the Scriptures, prophesied in the Old Testament and given in the New Testament. Today we're focusing on two of them, Jesus Emmanuel. When Joseph wakes up from his dream, he does what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do, and he takes Mary home as his wife, and when she gives birth to a son, he gives him the name Jesus. Jesus, meaning the Lord saves. Emmanuel, God with us. Both are clear, strong, commanding names that tell us about the work of God and the nature of God and the promise of God. The work of God in salvation and the nature of God, his ministry with us and the promises that he will be with us always to the end of the age. We've talked about how important it is for professional sports teams to have names. And I would say other entities and organizations to have names that point to a clear purpose and identity. But what about biblical names? Do we find it there too? Yes. Often biblical names are rich with meaning and they express the hopes and dreams of the parent or the status or the nature of the person. The names of newborn children throughout Scripture are often chosen to reflect the circumstances of their birth or to indicate something about their personality or status or calling in life. They're more than just a word. We see this clearly when a person's name is changed in recognition of a change in their nature or personality or status. For example, Jacob's name is changed to Israel after his successful wrestling match with a divine being. Abram's name is changed to Abraham after the creation of the covenant with God. Saul becomes Paul after he is converted to become a follower of Jesus. And Simon, he was named Peter, which meant rock, where Jesus said, On you, Simon, you Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. When I'm asked to lead a funeral for a church member or someone in the community, I think it's really important to capture their story, to tell their story. For a Christian person, I'm always looking at for the intersection of their life story and their faith story. When someone has lived as a follower of Jesus, their life and their faith should be intertwined like the double helix of the DNA strand. 
one of my favorite things to do is learn the meaning and the origin of their name, and it brings me great joy when I could share that story with others. Sometimes I understand why their parents named them that. It could be a family, uh, a family name or something else that really stood out to them as they were pondering what to name their child. Here are a few names of people over the years that their, where their name had a significant meaning. The name Agnes, for example, comes from the Greek word agnos, which means sacred or pure. It's derived from the same word we translate as holy or to be pure. Dorothy means gift of God. It comes from two Greek words, doron and theos, gift of God. The name Abbot, an English word that means priest, English word which comes from the Latin and Greek, Abba, for father. And that comes from the Aramaic, Abba, which means daddy. And it's a term of endearment that even Jesus used as he prayed to his father, Abba, Father. You might remember Eula, short for Eulalia. From the Greek, there's a saint that bears that name. Eula comes from two Greek words, eu, E-U, which means good, and laleo, which means to talk or speak. Put together, eula means sweetly speaking. Very similar to the word eulogy, where we get up to share words of praise and, and celebration of someone we love or a dear friend who has passed on to be with the Lord. Here are a few Bible names. Moses means to draw out, reflecting Moses' rescue by Pharaoh's daughter as an infant from the waters in the Nile. The name Miriam means drop of the sea. It can mean bitter, but also beloved. It named, late, this later evolved into the name Mary. The name Elijah means the Lord is God. Deborah means bumblebee. Ruth means friendship. Matthew, gift of Jehovah. Stephen means crowned. And the name Jesus means the Lord saves. Emmanuel means God with us. So what does it mean to say that the Son of Man is both Jesus and Emmanuel. Both names embody who Jesus is, Savior and God with us. Both invite us to respond just like a good sports fan will want to respond and be supportive of their team. More than that, these names invite us to a faith commitment, a response to Jesus. Let's talk about the two briefly. The Lord saves, Jesus means. Very well articulated to us in John 3.16. Often scholars say that that one verse summarizes all of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was sent to earth to be the one to save us from our sins and shortcomings and the things that fracture our relationships with God and other people. 
to a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can be reconciled to God. Our vertical relationship can be made right. And our relationships with others, the horizontal relationships. We often, I often, make such a mess of my life that as people and as communities, we need a Savior to rescue us. We cannot save ourselves. Jesus does this by offering forgiveness to us of our past failings and guidance for the path that lies ahead. Think back to the lyrics of the song you just sang a few moments ago, O Little Town of Bethlehem. The fourth stanza reads as follows. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Casting out our sins is the work of the Savior. The letter to the Hebrews tells us that Jesus came to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself on the cross. Jesus cast out our sins once and for all in an act that never needs to be repeated. He lays down his life once for all in an act of loving sacrifice, one that brings us forgiveness and new life. We need Jesus to save us. He does for us what no one else can do, no matter how hard we try. Each of us is like an addict who needs God as a higher power. We're all addicted to something. And breaking free from those chains is something that we can do only with the strength of our God, who is our higher power, a strength and power greater than ourselves. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we find that forgiveness. And we find that change, and we find that change is possible. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. We need Jesus as our power and our strength, the one who forgives us and casts our sins into the depths of the sea of forgiveness. There is nothing we go through that God can't handle. There is nothing that we go through that Jesus has not experienced himself. He was, the Bible tells us that he was tempted with every temptation known to humankind. There is no sin too small or too great that God cannot forgive. And there is no pain that we endure that is unknown to God. God loves us. Jesus came to save us, to rescue us, to redeem us, and to bring us in right relationship to the Father. And all of that is within that one name, Jesus. And if Jesus is with us, Emmanuel. It's important to remember that Matthew's gospel is like bookends. It begins with Emmanuel, God with us. And in Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus looks at his disciples after the resurrection. He says, I will be with you always until the very end of the age. I will always be with you. And that is a summation of Emmanuel. Turning to God is our higher power. Also helps us to discover we're not alone when we face challenges, temptations, trials. We are never alone. Listen to the words of O Little 
town of Bethlehem once again, the last part of the fourth stanza. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide in with us, O Lord Emmanuel. Jesus came to abide with us, to live with us, to stay with us forever. When we receive him into our hearts as Savior and Lord, he lives within us, and his Holy Spirit takes up dwelling deep within our spirit and our soul, and as our guide, our comforter, our friend, our advocate, God with us forever. You ever wonder what it might look like or feel like to exclaim Emmanuel, God with us? Sometimes in our human stories, we can see it. It reminds me, and I, I asked our daughter if Isabel it was okay to share it. She said, it was fine, Dad. And I remember when she was a baby, and it came time to go for her first well checkup where they give you the shots. And sometimes it's multiple ones, and I think that first visit was multiple ones. And so we go into the pediatrician's office, and the nurse says to me and Melanie, um, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and do her uh, injections, and would you like us to hold her, or would you like to hold her? Kind of looked at me, and, and I said, I'll be glad to hold her. I mean, why? I'm her dad, you know? I mean, that's just what we do. So I, I you know, held Isabella just like always and just kind of whispered to her and kind of tried to distract her a little bit, and the nurse gave her the injections, and she didn't even flinch. She, she didn't cry at all. Not like her dad when he was a boy. I remember them having to chase me down at the doctor's office because I, and I still don't like shots very much. One time, I don't know where they got the candy bar, but I remember one time they had to bribe me with one of those $10,000 bars. I, I remember that. Chocolate, chewy chocolate bar with the Rice Krispie treats inside there, you know. Well, Isabella has always just gotten her shots, no big deal, whether it's a flu shot or whatever. And I'm not saying I did anything, you know, heroic, but I just remember being with her and how it's sort of a picture of God with us no matter what we might be facing. There's something very comforting to know that there's someone who loves us, who is walking with us through thick and thin, who is with us on the mountaintops and in and through the valleys of life. I believe we need this understanding of God more now than ever before. God who saves and redeems and God with us. Loneliness is a problem that we are experiencing more and more today than any time that I can remember. I'm thankful that churches like some of our sister churches in the Bonaire area are offering blue Christmas services, are also called the longest night. And we're participating this Wednesday at 7 o'clock along with three other congregations in Bonaire 
for the Blue Christmas Longest Night Service. Fine Air Presbyterian at 7 o'clock Wednesday. It's the solstice. It's the day, the, it's the, the day with the longest darkness in the year. The sun sets at the earliest. And during the service, there's opportunities for prayers and to remember, whether it's remembering the death of a loved one, grieving the loss of a job, living with cancer, or someone who's experienced a divorce. Uh, just, just think about other kinds of loss and grief. And the service is, is there to help us to know that we are not alone, that God is with us, and that God through the church is with us as well, even on our darkest nights of our souls. And I want to speak closely to those of you who might be feeling lonely right now, isolated. In our culture, we're, we're, even though we're more connected than ever before through our mobile devices, we're, we've never been more isolated. Sometimes families gather around during the holidays and everybody will be in the same room, but they're all on their devices, nobody talking to each other. We're alone together. Or maybe you've been through something and you just feel lonely and depressed. If that's you, would you ask for help? Would you reach out for help? Would you tell somebody you trust that you need help? Would you let somebody know you're struggling? Sometimes we don't know our friend is struggling and hurting. I think of Twitch and how all of his friends thought that everything was okay. And he wasn't. So if it's okay not to be okay, and if that's you, would you reach out to somebody you trust and say, I need some help. I need a counselor. I need a listening ear. And church, it's important for us to check in on our friend, to check in on, you know, I haven't seen her or him in a while. It's important for us to reach out and make that call, make that visit, to check in. It goes both ways. But we're in a time in our culture right now that it is vitally important that we let others know how we are and that others check in on us. We can find hope in the support of community and the chance for us to draw closer to the one who is our Lord who saves and our Lord who is with us. God with us. The surest sign that our Lord is with us, no matter where we are, is His Son, Jesus, the one who saves. With Jesus, we are never trapped in our own sin and shortcomings. And with Jesus, we are never completely 